If you think you've heard it all and read it all about God's love, but you haven't read the book of Hosea, you haven't read it all. And you surely haven't heard it all. There's a story in the book of Hosea that is unlike any story anywhere you'll ever hear, really probably in Hollywood or anywhere. It's a true story, but it's a story that gives us a picture of the boundless, limitless love of God hundreds of years before the greatest love story was ever told, and that was that God sent his son to the earth, obviously, to die on the cross, and he rose again. So we're going to be, we're going to be in this message for the next few weeks. And let me start out by saying something about God when it comes to love. God can't help himself when it comes to love. <laughs> Literally, God can't help himself when it comes to love because God doesn't do love. God doesn't choose to love. God is love. Amen? Our God is love. Like, he is obsessed by it. I mean, John 3.16, we probably all know that scripture. Say it with me. For God, what? He so loved the world. He so loves us. He so loves the world. Uh, Have you ever been to a sporting event or even like a school concert and, and, and seen like a mom or a dad or a grandparent at like the game of an eight or nine-year-old and and, like you can hear them across the gym when their when their son or daughter steps on the floor to play in the game have you ever ever been a game like that and you you hear like these crazy parents or grandparents and you're that mom you're going to be perfect for this I should use Taylor as my illustration um you know, it's like every time little Johnny or little Susie enters the game, they like lose their mind, right? Um, and I've been a parent, and I know that feeling. Let um, me show you this picture. There's something that happened. When I was a kid, this is what I saw in the gymnasium. How many ever saw parents lugging around these big old things, <laughs> right? I mean, back in the 80s when I was playing a game, parents would not only scream, but they'd lug around these 25-pound cameras or VHS camcorders, and, and, and they would lug these around, and when their little eight or nine-year-old daughter or son would be in the game, they would, they would start shooting video, and um, I, I remember that. My parents actually had one of these cameras, and they were at every game, and they were videotaping all my games, and every time I got in the game, and uh, why do parents do these things? Because they're crazy, but also... Right? We're crazy. We're crazy in love with our kids. And, and actually, it's because we so love our kids that we will lose our mind when they get in the game or do anything. Amen? I loved it. Man, when, my, when my daughters were doing things, I, mean, I would just be so wrapped up in it. and just Because we so love our children. We're just so proud of them. We're so happy. It doesn't even matter if they score or not. It's just I'm so excited to see them out there. And, and see, God is the same way. He can't help himself. I don't know if he has a big old camcorder on us, but I mean, he's always watching us because he loves us. He's interested in what we do. God loves all his kids, us, so much. I love that song that we sang today. It kind of gave an illustration, a visual of like, uh, running down the halls of heaven. I kind of think about like when I would get out of school, the last day of school in June, and when I was like in elementary, I would run out of those halls so quickly. You know, I was so excited to enjoy summer break. And I was like, I made it. I, I got through this year of school. 
And I, I say someday when we run down the halls of heaven, we're going to be like, I loved life, but I'm so thankful now I'm, I'm in heaven. And that day is coming. God so loves. I think, it's, it's, I think it's, it's impossible for us to fully grasp that kind of love. I gave an illustration of a parent or a grandparent. That, that guy gives us an idea of that kind of crazy, boundless, limitless love. But I think it's, it's hard to understand and grasp the love of God. It's, it's limitless. It's, it's not even like mathematically uh, possible to explain or diagram. It's, it's just we are so loved by God. Let's pray. Father, I pray in this word today, Lord, you'd help me to uh, uh, explain and present the gospel in a way that we could all leave this place saying, I get it, I understand it, I want to grow from it, and that we could apply this same love. Not only shall we receive it, Lord, but let us give this kind of boundless, limitless love. We thank you for this day that we are able to be together and we are so blessed to be in your house to study your word. And all God's people said amen. Amen. Boundless. God's relentless love. You know, there might be people who are sitting here today or people you know who think things like, there's no way God could love me that much because of all the terrible things I've done or the bad things I've done. I mean, like, like God probably loves Billy Graham more than he would ever love me. Or if you're at our, our, our More Than Married group, uh, we watched this amazing video. I love John and Lisa Bevere. They're amazing teachers. We had our, 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 our group on Friday night. And it, it, you can look at them and say, like, they seem so perfect. Their marriage seems so great. God must love them more than he loves me. But how many know God's love is not restricted by what we do? His love is based on what he's done. And so we need to understand that he loves us so much. And, and, and I'm, I'm really here to tell you, God will never stop loving you. Never. Love is the main theme of our existence. Uh, it's, it's the very purpose for which we were created. We are, I like to say, we are the objects of his obsession. Uh, he's obsessed with his children. He loves us so much. And here's the good news. Nothing can change that love. So 750 years before Jesus will walk on the face of the earth and solve the sin problem, 750 years before that, God's extraordinary, illogical, unmatched, unconditional love is on full display on the earth in this story. Through a young man by the name of Hosea, 750 years before Jesus is born, uh, Hosea is a prophet. The Bible, some people, they would call him a seer or a prophet. Um, uh, Hosea was following another prophet by the name of Amos. And he's, he's well known throughout Israel. He's, he's kind of famous back then. I mean, they didn't have like movie stars back then. They had prophets were the famous people. And they were well known, seers and prophets. They were well known throughout this part of the world. And he was in the northern territory of Israel, Hosea. And so many times you would find in the Bible, prophets would come, these prophets before the time of Jesus, and they would have uh, uh, peculiar or particular assignments from God, different uh, assignments. 
such as Isaiah. Isaiah had a certain assignment. Jeremiah had a certain assignment. Amos had a certain assignment. And now we have Hosea who's given this certain assignment that really, dare I say, his assignment is, is the most exceptional, uh, scandalous, ridiculous, even embarrassing assignment to some people. But in God's eyes, it's a demonstration of this boundless love that maybe some of us would struggle with this. Maybe even as I read it this morning, there's probably some of you are going to struggle with this story. Like, why would God ask somebody to do this? And this is, kind of gives us a picture how God loves everyone. And you'll find most prophets in the Old Testament not only would speak their prophecy, but they would live it. And how many know, as believers, God to speak what we believe. He wants us to live what we believe. Amen? Living what we believe. So God assigns Hosea. Remember, he's, he's, he's going to be a prophet. Uh, he's going to be a speaker for Israel. He's, he's one who's going to speak for God to Israel, sometimes giving them hope, also giving them a lot of rebuke. Israel was in a time of prosperity. Once again, we find the people of Israel who have drifted away from God. And they are not always heeding all the warnings of all these prophets. It kind of resembles somewhat of our culture today. We kind of are, we're tuned in partially to God. You ever listen to the radio, and especially if you remember the old radios where you had the dials, right? And, and sometimes once you move away from the city, you start getting another channel coming into your song. You're like, I don't want to get off my own channel, right? Because you're listening two voices, two songs. I think sometimes in our world, it's easy for us to kind of drift away from God and we start losing, we're, we're not tuned into God as much. Prophets would help people tune back into God. And so Hosea is, is in this mindset and God says this to Hosea. I want you to hear this real clearly. God says, Hosea, here's your assignment if you accept to choose it. If you accept it, I mean accept it. I want you to marry a prostitute. I mean, can you imagine his reaction? Like, God, I'm training to be a prophet. I'm like well known now throughout Israel, and you want me to do what? Marry a prostitute. God says, okay, this is your assignment. You know, I, 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 think, I think Jose must have said, like, come again, Lord? Like, like you want me to marry a prostitute. And there wasn't a whole lot of explanation why. God said, just do it. So Hosea marries the prostitute. And, and how many know the story? You know what her name is? Gomer. Uh, bummer of a name, right? Like, like, I'm sure somewhere in life she went up to her parents and she's like, really? That's the best you could come up with? Gomer. But he marries Gomer. Hosea picks Gomer. And she is a prostitute. And, and, and for a while, so for they get married, and for a while things are improving. Things are going good. Their marriage seems normal. Uh, and it's kind of like in our Bible study on, on, on Friday night, they talked about marriage. Like, like, it's not right to get, if you're not spiritually mature, marriage probably is not for you. Right? Amen? It may be something you, you need to wait until you're spiritually mature or maturing. 
Well, well, so their marriage, Gomer and Hosea, their marriage is seemingly going well. I mean, after a few years, they have a baby boy, and then they have a baby girl, and then they have another baby boy. So they have these three children, and, and their marriage seems to be going relatively well until one morning, the prophet of God wakes up, and Gomer's gone. She left him. And so he, I'm sure he was looking all over the house, like, where, where's she at? And he, he never finds her. Gomer left the prophet Hosea. She's nowhere to be found. She's gone. And so now we have this prophet. He becomes a single dad, raising three children. And that's kind of the story of the prophet that you don't always think about. Like this man of God was living real life, going through real problems, now raising these three children as a single dad. He was arguably, like I said, one of the most famous people in Israel. Uh, uh, how many know, embarrassment, if it hadn't already happened, and I'm sure there were many people that were like, he married a prostitute, we saw this coming. How many people, right, how many know we are quick to judge? And we're, we're quick to put down, and, and maybe when God wants to redeem someone and give them a chance, it's easy sometimes for us to point a lot of, fingers and shoot daggers and, and I'm sure he was embarrassed beyond all all belief as a single dad now and his wife has left him and maybe he thought like I'm supposed to be a prophet of God a beacon of hope for Israel and I can't even keep my marriage together and, and I'm not sure what happened after that I'm sure Hosea had some some long days and some dark nights but eventually, God comes back to Hosea. He says, Hosea, here's the plan. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go find her. <laughs> okay. And then God says, I want you to marry her again. There had to be a moment where Hosea was like, again? I mean, look what just happened. Yep. God said, yep, go find her. How many know Hosea deserves a lot of credit? I mean, I think he's a very special guy to be able to swallow his pride and do this. I mean, first God says, I want you to marry a prostitute. Oh, man of God, prophet of God. And not only that, she leaves him with these three children, leaves him. He can't find her. Now God says, I want you to go find her, and I want you to renew your vows. So this is what happens. This is where we pick up the story in Hosea chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. How many know God so loves us? No matter how many times we've left God, he still loves us. And he'll always look for us. Go show your wife, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they may turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. In other words, the Israelites were enamored by the things of the world. Hosea is smack dab in the middle of a culture crisis in Israel. And, and, and at this time of history, like I said, Israel was experiencing uh, uh, this great prosperity 
I mean, everything in the nation seemed to be going well, but people were getting caught up in culture very quickly. And the more they got caught up in culture, the more they got enamored with things, they started to kind of say, God, I don't really need you that much anymore. I can kind of put you on this shelf for a while until I need you. And how many see the relation between that and our culture today? Like, like, like I don't really need you because I'm doing pretty good now. I have some money in the bank or I, I finally found love and, 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 or things are going pretty well. God, I don't really need you right now. And that's kind of the, the way that Israel was treating God at this time. But here's this prophet, this, 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 this voice of God, this man who himself is in a situation. And everything was going well. And, and, and really, love was a major theme at this time in Israel, but it was, uh, it was miscued. It was wrong how they viewed love. And I actually have these on the screen. I put the three primaries or the f- three philosophies of love during the time of Hosea. This was Israel's philosophy of love. Number one, they thought love could be purchased. Love is simply the pursuit of self-gratification. And they also said love can be found with inanimate objects or things. This is how they defined love. And as I was studying this text, and like I said, this seems very eerily similar to our culture or the world we live in today. This concept of love has become so convoluted. But how many know God's love still pierces through the false lies of, of a convoluted message of love? And if, if you talk to most people who don't read their Bible, who are not involved in church, they will have a convoluted a misinterpretation of what love is. And so this story about Hosea and, and kind of connecting it to our culture today has, has shown us in our world today and in this time, love has become about self and about things. What's in it for me? How does this affect me? So God says, I would demonstrate my love to the people in a way that no one else would ever see coming. Like I said, outside of the story of Jesus dying on the cross and the resurrection, how many know that's the greatest love story of all time? There is no greater love story. But outside of that story, the story of Hosea is probably the greatest demonstration that we will find of God's love in the scriptures. So Hosea gets this assignment to go look for her. Go find your wife. And he does. And, and, and what was that like? Like, like think about Hosea. Um, what was that like? He had to go look for his wife in places that a man of God should not go. Like he had to go to places that we as Christians should not go. He had to go ask people, have you seen my wife? Her name is Gomer. And I'm sure there were people like, aren't you the prophet? Like, yeah, dude, sorry to tell you this, but I saw her like a week ago, and she was with some other guy. Yeah, I saw her. She was being sold for sex. That's your wife? She, I mean, she left you. What are you doing? Like, why would you ever want her back? How I many it had to be very embarrassing for the man of God to put himself in this position of humbling himself to the point like, 
I'm willing to go after her even in the worst, darkest, most disgusting places. And doesn't that remind you that God will go after you and I and us, and he has already, and he always will, even when we find ourselves in the worst, most disgusting places. God's love doesn't change. Like, do you understand the magnitude of what that means? Like, you can't do anything to change God's love for you. Isn't that amazing? Like, so if you think that you can sin and God's going to stop loving you, you need to read your Bible because you have false theology. That's heresy, amen? People that think that God doesn't love me anymore. You are literally blaspheming the greatest gift that God gives, and that is unconditional, unblemished, boundless love. Like, he sent his son to the earth to die on a torture basically a torture chamber, the cross, and be tortured for us because he loves us, what, so much. I mean, and when you understand how much God loves you, that should make us say, God, I want to love you and live for you so much more and so much better. Like, like, I understand now what it means to be like a crazy parent. I've had kids where you just, you just love them so much. It doesn't matter if they miss every shot in the game. When they get in the car, you're like, let's go for ice cream because you did amazing today. I mean, a bad parent will get in the car and nitpick everything they did wrong. But a great parent will say, I love you. You did great. I'm proud of you. You tried your best. That's the kind of God that we serve. He doesn't nitpick us. He's just like, I love, I want you to understand this love. I want you to understand the magnitude, the depth, the width, how high, how deep, amen, is his love for us. And the question is, are we giving that back in return? Hosea gets this assignment, go find her, go look for her. Remember, like I said, Hosea was a famous person in Israel. He was... You know, like I say, he was a holy man. He was a seer, a prophet, well-known. And God gives him this assignment. God gives him this assignment. He says, I want you to go down to the red light district. I mean, if you're married in this room, just think about that. Your, your, your spouse leaves you, and God says, I want you to go, and you know that she's with, or he's with someone else, depending on your, 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 your gender. And God says, that not only do I want you to go find her, I want you to go into the worst place, and I want you to go find them. And so Hosea goes to the places that he shouldn't go, the red light district, and God says, I want you to find your wife. So he goes to that part of town. And like I said, he starts asking, have you seen my wife? Her name is Gomer. I mean, he didn't have a picture, obviously, back then. But he's like, this is what she looks like. Have you seen her? I'm looking for her. Uh, and he keeps looking for her. Have you seen her? And like I said, maybe there's some guys like, dude, she's a couple streets down. I just saw her. Good luck with that. He finally sees Gomer. And she's on a selling block, which is known as like a place where they would sell people for sex. It's literally like human trafficking even back then. And he finds her and she's on, the, she's on the selling block and she's in sex slavery. She's in the industry, basically. And it's like, I'm sure people were looking at Hosea and being like, good luck with that. How much did he love her? He sees her. 
And, and what most scholars believe is that Hosea walked in during the auction. Can you imagine that? I want you to understand what that must have felt like for him. I mean, that's his wife, the mother of his children. And now she's being sold for sex. And she left him. I don't know. It would have been so easy for most of us to be like, I'm done, I'm out. I can't even look at this situation. But he's like, that's my wife. Remember, God said, go find her. Can you imagine what it was like for Gomer? I mean, she's really messed up, right? I mean, she's a mom, and she left her husband, and now she's in this industry. She's living in this world. And what it must have been like for her to see Hosea come back and say, you're my wife. I want you back. Do you think in that moment she understood what real love is? Maybe she started to see, like, this is a someone who's giving me boundless love. Boundless love. Endless love. So what does he do? He has to outbid the other bidders for his wife. What happens is he ends up paying 15 pieces of silver and five bundles of barley to purchase back Gomer. Verse 2 says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about, uh, about a homer and a leketh of barley. I, I, he buys her back. I, when I read this story, some people could read this story and be like, ooh, this is gross, this is terrible, how could this happen? I see it and I say, grace is all over this story. Because when I think about my life, and there's many times I look back, I'm like, ooh, I did that? I said what? I thought this? I reacted in that way? I spoke about somebody in this manner? And it, there's many times I'm sure that as God looks at my life, he could be like, I don't want to be in association, but that's not how God is. He's like, I so love you. You're my child. And I'll come back to you. We sing songs about the relentless love, about the never-ending love of God. How many know we sing many songs about God's extravagant, extraordinary love? But do we really, really understand how deep that is? I mean, we say it, but do we understand it? And if that's the kind of love he gives us, what kind of love are we giving him back? Like, like he said, can you read, like even reading the word of God or even praying for a little bit every day. How I many know that's just a way for us to say, God, I love you. I want to talk to you today. But we're so busy. We have like excuses for all kinds of things, but sometimes we're not too busy to, to watch shows or do other things. But God, his love never, ever changes. I want you to leave today. I haven't preached a sermon like this in a while. I really want you to be reminded of that God loves you so much, and it will not change. Homer, I mean, Hosea's love for Gomer, yeah, he must have struggled, didn't change. And grace is all over this story. Like, amazing love is all over this story, right? It's a picture of how God loves us. And he's like, I'll pay whatever price I have to pay. I want her back. I'll pay it. And it's like, wait a second, Hosea, she's already yours. Like, 
He's like, I'm willing to pay for something that is already mine. Let's think about God, right? How I many know we are all, we were already gods, but yet He's willing to pay His Son for us. We're already His, but yet He paid for us our sin through His Son Jesus Christ. Like Gomer was already Hosea's wife, he could have just got her and been like, "You're coming home with me. You're mine." But he's like, "I'm willing to pay for her." God paid for our sin through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? He came and found us. And, and the Bible says, that, that says, in the earth, the earth is in the Lord and the fullness thereof. Like God sent his son to spill his blood. The fullness of his love was displayed on the cross. Humanity belongs to God. It will always belong to God. He loved the whole world, but yet... He paid a price. He purchased us through his son, Jesus Christ. Hosea pays for Gomer. And then he renews his vows to her. He's renewing their vows. Let's look at what it says in verse 3. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any other man. And I will behave the same. He's like, not only am I asking this of you, but I will do the same. I will behave the same way towards you. That's probably not what my reaction would have been, or, or all of us. I, we probably were like, if you ever do this again, this is the last time I'll ever give you a second chance. Then the Spirit of God comes on him. How many know? Listen to what happens next. The Spirit of God comes on him. When he does what God asks him to do, the Spirit of God comes on him. Church, how many know? How many are just waiting for the Spirit of God to fall in this place? Like, like we say, God, would you fall in this place? Would you do something new? Would you rest on us? Like, like his Spirit is here. But first he's like, I want you first to show people love. I want you to be kind. I want you to be gracious. I want you to be forgiving. Like, we want God to do the, 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 the work of, of what we want. He's, like, saying, this is what I'm asking you to do. Like, Hosea first had to go find Gomer and say, I love you with an unconditional love. And I'm willing to take you back. And, I, and I'm not going to bring it up every day. And so, the Spirit of God comes on Hosea. After he purchases his wife back, and he starts to prophesy to Israel about the days to come. And he says in verse 4, For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord. Some translations say fear the Lord, or in the next part they say fear the Lord. They will seek the Lord their God and the David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Church, listen, people will come back to the Lord. We just need to be persistent in, in loving them. Amen? I know many people are believing for a loved one, a family member, a, a relative, maybe a son or a daughter to come back to Jesus. What is our job in this? That is to show them the love, the boundless, the endless, the limitless love of God. Amen? 
I mean, if, if Hosea would have gone to Gomer and been like, first, before I tell you I love you, let me tell you five things that you, you know, if he would have scolded her, he just went looking for her. He had to go find her in a place he didn't want to go. And it's like, it's the mother of his children. Like, he loved her. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a crazy love story, yes. But how I many of all of us, our love story with God might seem a little bit crazy. Like, like we're worshiping the creator of the universe. And, and yet we sometimes live a life that almost resembles that we don't know him. His love is endless. Would you stand with me? Because I want to stop right here and ask this question this morning. Do you need to renew your vows to God? About five or six years ago, I, I had an opportunity to do a, uh, a marriage renewal for my mother-in-law and father-in-law, Pastor Fry and Leanne Fry. And I was able to officiate this renewal ceremony and they loved each other greatly. Their marriage was one of those marriages that I was able to look at and say these two love each other deeply. I mean, he, he, he spoke kindly of his wife. He would open the door for his wife he, and she would do the same for him. But yet they wanted to renew their vows in case they ever forgot how much they loved each other. And I stood there and, and, and I was honored to do this ceremony for Heather's parents. And they had been married. This is their 50 year anniversary and we we're renewing their vows. And he sang to her, or did your mom sing to him? I believe they sang to each other, I believe. Yeah. But it was a beautiful moment of like renewing vows. And I'm here to ask you, maybe today you're like, you know, I love God, I, I still know him, but I need to renew some things with God today. And I just want to stop right here. I'm going to finish this next week, but I just, I felt the Spirit of the Lord just say, ask if anyone here needs to renew their vows to me. Because maybe you've walked out of the relationship like Gomer. Maybe you're busy. Maybe you're caught up in this world so much where God's become kind of an afterthought. Like, if I have time, I'll make room for him. But how many know it should be our first thought? Like, like it should be our first thought is, God, I want to spend time with you. I want to be a better man. I want to be a better woman. I want to be a better husband or a better wife. I want to be a better parent, a better friend, a better student. I mean, our, our, our response to God should always be like, Lord, do something new in me. I want, to be a, I want to be closer to you. I want to love people greater because you love me in spite of all of my stuff. Junk. So if, I want to ask you this. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. I, I just feel very pressed to pray this morning. And I want to ask if, if you've walked away out of the, or you're walking away. Maybe you haven't fully walked out yet, but you're, you're starting to kind of like drift in the relationship. And that's not a good place to be. But the thing about God, his love hasn't changed. 
just like he sent Hosea, God will come always. He'll come looking for you. You remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden, right? God came and he was looking for them, calling out to them. They were hiding because of their sin. And so I'm asking and, and, and pleading with you really, like you can save yourself from a lot of uh, forced pain or darkness if you would just come back to him. Say, Lord, I want to renew my, my walk with you. I want to renew my life with you, my vows to you. God, I want to make things right. I've allowed some things into my life again that at one time I would have never done. But, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to permit these things in. And I know that they need to go. And I'm praying today in Jesus' name, if there's anyone here today, right now there's some things that maybe nobody else knows about. But God's right there in your midst. And he's like, I know your struggle. I know what you're going through. Let me help you in this. He's like, I sent my son. I purchased you and I, my son paid the price. That was the ultimate price that had to be paid. But aren't you thankful he purchased our sin? And he's just saying, if you just give it to me, if you just give me your life, would you just right now ask God, say, God, I renew my life. I ask you to renew my life. I re recommit to you. Draw me closer. I want to know you more. Help me in those areas of my life that I know you do not want in my life. Change me today, oh God. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray if even there's one person here today and you say, Lord, that was for me. I needed to hear this. I needed to know that no matter what I've done wrong, God still loves me the same. Like no matter what my kids ever have done, we, I love all my children the same. You can't change my mind. You won't convince me of anything differently. And I know as parents and grandparents of this room, it's the same for you. Amen? I hope so. If not, we need to pray about that. Like, like, like God loves us so much. He's like, I love you so much. Don't ever forget that. When you're enjoying today, and I pray you'll just enjoy the beauty, the warmth. Hallelujah. The sun is out. I pray you would just say, God, thank you for this beautiful day. And I know that you love me. Lord, I pray you guide us and lead us every single day that we would be men and women of integrity. God, that we'd be men and women, Lord, that would, would see others. People who are not believers, who are not even Christians, God, that we would show them this kind of love, this crazy love. It, it's, it's not even, we're not even able to explain the kind of love that you give us, Lord God. I pray that we would show that same love for others not be conditions involved. Return and seek the Lord. As he said, return and seek the Lord. The prophet said that to Israel. Return and seek the Lord.
Those words, I want to go with those words. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord all week. Seek the Lord. Lord, I pray a blessing over your church. Father, I pray you would ignite a fire in our hearts. Father, I pray that we, God, we would in turn, Lord, be worshipers of you, God. We would not be uh, uh, timid in our faith. We would be outrageous. We would be victorious and understand, God, that we have been given so much love. Lord, I pray that we would show that love that you demonstrated to us through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray we would show that kind of grace and love for others. Help us to love, Lord, and show that grace for ourselves, that we've been forgiven. Father, I pray that we would not beat ourselves up over the things that we've done, that we would say, God, thank you for loving me. I am a new person. I am a new creation. All things are new today. I pray this, God, that we would go from this place now and be witnesses wherever we go, love agents. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. For the Lord bless you and keep you. May he shine upon you. Give you grace. I also want to pray if there's anyone here, I, I just feel like there might be a couple people here that want to come up for prayer. If I'm praying for people, I just ask that we just do our fellowship out there, any loud fellowship, because it's very important if people need prayer that we have that moment here at the altar. God bless you. God bless you. If you want prayer, please come up. And uh, we'll see you soon. God bless.